We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And welcome to another Kilkenny Today. It's myself, Morris O'Connor, with you for the Tuesday show, or indeed the Wednesday morning one, if you're listening to me on the repeat. And good morning to you uh, on the repeat on the Wednesday morning. Hope you're going to stay with us anyway for at least the next hour or more. To say the evenings or the mornings or the days uh, shows and broadcasting here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Great to be back with you as usual. Now, later on in today's show, um, listen. You can listen up if you're a person who's uh, maybe a little bit advanced or advancing in age, anyway, at the mature age bracket, and you're fond of a bit of singing. Um, do listen up because I'll be joined by a man named Dominic Campbell, um, and he'll be talking to us about resources and tips and techniques that are available for preserving and enhancing the voice as uh, you progress on in age. The singing voice, that is, anyway. Um, we'll also be hearing from um, Sam Sinnott, who's a local woman, founder of um, Buddy Bench Ireland. And uh, Buddy Bench Ireland just recently got some funding for what they do. So Sam will be joining us to tell us about how they're getting on there and what it is they do with um, the funding they've just received, who they got it from and what they planned to do with it. Um, we've no parish news for you, of course, as we often do in the middle of the show. And uh, that will come back as soon as we have some very dependent, as you obviously know, uh, on the lifting of the restrictions whenever that may happen. Uh, but we will bring you Parish News, of course, whenever we can. Uh, but kicking off on today's show, um, ad breaks, of course, we have to have, but uh, be- before we get to all that, or before we get to the first break anyway, um, if you're interested in... in uh, doing things like uh, giving something up or taking something up. We're probably still at the stage of maybe making and trying to hang on to New Year's resolutions. So it's a great time to talk about giving things up or taking things up. And a charity called Esophageal Cancer Fund has latched on to that idea um, and has produced a fundraising campaign around it. And joining me from the Esophageal Cancer Fund is its uh, CEO and founder, Noel Ryan. Good afternoon, Noel. How are you? Afternoon, Morris. Thank you for having me on the show. You're very, very welcome and Happy New Year to you before we go any further. Happy New Year to you too. Um, Yeah, so a great idea, I suppose, the psychology of tapping in Noel around um, giving things up or or taking things up and give you the idea for this particular campaign. We'll get back to that in just a minute, but maybe before we do, uh, you might just tell us a little bit about the Esophageal Cancer Fund and what you do. Well, the Esophageal Cancer Fund is actually celebrating its 20th birthday and we are a group that's set up to raise awareness of esophageal cancer and to get the cancer diagnosed at an earlier stage um, by making people aware of the symptoms and getting them to go to their doctor earlier. So 20 years later, um, you know, people probably will know us in the Kilkenny area um, from our most prominent fundraiser, which would have been Lollipop Day over the years. So mm. Lollipop Day is very much with us and will remain with us um, as a key fundraiser. But given the pandemic and the inability to collect on the streets, we had to pivot our fundraising online. 
So we will have a number of initiatives over the year. Um, and this is our first campaign of the year, which kickstarts the year. And hopefully people will feel good about doing something good and helping us to continue the work mm. that we're doing, mm. which is around research and awareness. Yeah. And one of the things that I found out, just looking at your website, um, I would have heard of esophageal cancer and um, it sounds like a terrible um, affliction to be, or illness to be um, affected by. Uh, but one of the things I, I had no idea of was about what, something that can give kind of, I suppose, an early stage indications of, of potentially higher risk of contracting esophageal cancer. And that's a condition called Barrett's esophagus. And uh, you, you go into quite a lot of detail on your website about what that's all about and the symptoms of that and how to watch out for it. So what is Barrett's esophagus for, for listeners who haven't heard of it? Yeah, well, you're so right, Morris. Something that through the work that we've done, we've become aware of a condition known as Barrett's esophagus. And that is the only known precursor to esophageal cancer. So Barrett's esophagus itself is not a cancerous condition. Um, however, a very small percentage of people that develop Barrett's esophagus can go on and they're more at risk of going on to develop esophageal cancer. So Barrett's esophagus is caused by a constant regurgitation or acid reflex reflux coming from the stomach and burning the lining of the esophagus changes the, the cells in the esophagus and those cells can go on to develop a cancer. But the idea around what the Esophageal Cancer Fund is doing is we have put a huge amount of money into developing the National Barrett's Esophagus Register so this is a collaboration between the main centres around the country in Dublin, Galway and Cork and they are just putting people on a register that has Barrett's esophagus and then mm. those people are uh, monitored and surveyed for life so that if they are one of the ones that are at risk of developing a cancer, it's detected at a very early stage and therefore very treatable. So much of the money that we raise through mm. all of the activities throughout the year actually fund that register. And then hand in hand with the register, there's also a biobank, which allows for patients to consent to give tissue samples and blood samples that then allow for further research around what develops uh, which people are more likely to develop the disease so what's mm. driving the, the, the progression to esophageal yeah. cancer. I, I suppose we should uh, at this point reassure listeners a little bit that I think your, your, um, the research that you publicise on your website shows that only maybe about 5% of cases of um, Barrett's esophagus will be followed up at some point later on in a person's life by uh, esophageal cancer. Um, so it's not, I suppose, not, nothing to get terribly alarmed with if, if people deal with the symptoms. However, if there's, um, I think again and from your website, with about 450 cases of esophageal cancer per year, there, there must be experiencing symptoms of Barrett's esophagus around the country every year. Absolutely. 
and and I I would reiterate what you've said there that we don't want to frighten people um, in any way at all. It is only a very small percentage of people with Barrett's esophagus that go on to develop worrying symptoms um, of esophageal cancer. A lot of people um, live quite well with Barrett's esophagus, but it is a condition that does need to be monitored and surveyed uh, at regular intervals and according to the, the, the world principles, you know, so it's international guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also notice again again to, to encourage or, or kind of uh, uh, play down any fears of listeners that in fact you're, you're noting that over in recent years anyway there's been a 50% improvement in survival rates for esophageal cancer so that sounds very very positive how has that come about? I suppose research has probably played a huge part in, in delivering that sort of outcome Research has, been, um, has played a huge part in that um, but the likewise the registry does allow for that early pickup of cancers um, so the cancer is very treatable once it's picked up at an early stage but mm. it, it is wonderful to see Ireland playing on the world stage they're you know performing very well in terms of um, you know performance and as you say it has been a, a 50% increase in the survival rate for people that get, get the cancer diagnosed at an early stage and with curable that allows for curable intent mm. all right so let's just go back to the, the campaign then give it up or take it up noel um suggests anyway what you want people to do um just give us a little bit more detail if they decide to give something up or take something up what do you want them to do as well well, we're asking to people to give it up or take it up, and that can really mean lots of different things for different people. It can be as simple as giving up a cup, cup of coffee a day, taking up a glass of water, give up driving to your local shop, take a walk instead, give up biscuits with your nightly cup of tea, just take your cup of tea instead, or a cup of drinking chocolate. And um, For those that you know, feel they want to take up a more athletic challenge. Again, picking up something that's doable um, for you. It could be walking for 20 minutes. It, But it's around celebrating our 20th anniversary, asking people to donate 20 euros to do this challenge. Um, or they can set up their own fundraising page by going onto our website and going through and they can set up their own just giving page but it's it's simply a matter of asking people to donate 20 euros to commit to giving something up and taking something up and then asking maybe 20 of their friends to see what 20 friends like to do it with them so it's around encouraging family and friends to get in on the act and so the choice is up to people themselves as to what they would like to do we want them to share it on social channels um, but it's just around doing something that will make you feel good about your, yourself and doing something good for the new year but more importantly the money that you donate to us will help us to continue um, supporting our patients and survivors and most importantly to continue the pioneering research 
into this mm. really very complex cancer. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, I presume, like a lot of other charities, you would have had a struggle um, last year and the year gone by with um, with COVID and the impact of the of that on all the t- typical fundraising events you might have been planning to Absolutely. have run during the year. Uh, and as I said in the beginning, you know, lots of people would know us for Lollipop Day, which would have been our signature fundraising event. And um, but Lollipop Day and street fundraising is. Um, for the moment, a thing of the past. Um, mm. But we will be doing Lollipop Day in an online version over the month of April. Um, but in the meantime, yes, we, we have to pivot online and it's a very crowded space. And, you know, you we have to think of different things um, to ask people to do. And we just felt that this was something that you know, people are in that mindset of doing, maybe taking up something, giving up something in January, and we felt that this was the time to do it. But yes, it is a very challenging um, and and difficult situation. Yeah, but you managed anyway to, uh, to survive, and you're facing into another year. Anyway, hopefully, with them, um, everybody will have a good degree of sort of an increasing degree of optimism. Anyway, as the year goes on, and we get vaccinations uh, rolling out and restrictions lifted and everything like that, and at some point in time, all the traditional modes of fundraising will be able to be resumed, which will be great. Um, the one thing I did think about actually when I saw your campaign name first was that. Uh, that uh, it's the kind of thing that could fit very well around Lent as well. You could nearly roll it, you could run it all again um, with the whole kind of giving up or taking up idea that um, is, is associated with Lent. Um, very good idea, Marla. <laughs> Maybe we'll be back again then, but, um, you know, as I say, you're always challenged with ideas and how you think about tying all the things in together. And for us, you know, the 20th anniversary, we felt that, you know, Christmas is an expensive time for people. So January is one of those months when people probably don't have too too much money. Um, but we felt that 20 euros was maybe a doable thing for people. Yes, it's a big ask, uh, but it's probably doable. It actually, when you break it down, it's a euro a day over 20 days. I'm oh, sure um, if you were if you were giving up the cup of coffee, you'd be saving twenty twenty five euros or thirty euros as well as would. giving away twenty. So you would. yeah, you'd be grand on that one, no yeah. problem whatsoever. Um, do you mind me asking you, Noel? Um, you've been involved. I think you're the founder and you're now the CEO of uh, the Esophageal Cancer Fund. Have you have you a personal connection with anybody that you have in family or friends that had that did? did um, you I do. I, I set it up twenty years ago when I lost my lifelong friend just after her 41st birthday to esophageal cancer oh dear yeah Mm. yeah and again was short she was diagnosed in the march and she was buried in august so it's it's a tricky it's a complex cancer um and yes you as you so rightly said there's about 450 people diagnosed in ireland every year which by other cancers is a very small number but it's just that the treatment and early intervention is just so important because for many of us we take um, the esophagus which is for people that don't know where the esophagus is it's actually the gullet so it's the food pipe that brings the food from when you swallow it 
down into your stomach and treatment when Lucilla, my friend, was diagnosed and up until, you know, the last 10 years, 15 years, the treatment for most of the people that were diagnosed with that cancer was the removal of the esophagus. So it's it's massive, massive surgery for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I suppose that's been the huge change over the last 20 years is that these new and innovative treatments uh, and the benefits of knowing the likes of Barrett's esophagus being something that needs to be monitored and surveyed um, so that the cancer, if you are in that small percentage of people that go on to develop it um, through the Barrett's registry, can actually be picked up at a very early stage. There's new treatments that can be done that are much less invasive for people and therefore, you know, have much less um, life-altering effects for people post-surgery. Well, I hope the campaign anyway, give it up, take it up campaign, so give something up, take something else up for 20 days and pop in a euro or at least a day to the esophageal cancer fund. It'll be a great success for you anyway to kick off the year and give you a good old bounce going into the the rest of the year and as things hopefully get better uh, for all of us with uh, the COVID situation. Thanks a million for joining us, Noel. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you for the opportunity of talking and uh, Happy New Year to you. Thank you very much and many happy returns. Thanks a million, Noel. And that was uh, Noel Ryan, who's the founder and chief executive officer of the Esophageal Cancer Fund. And you can find out more about them on ocf.ie, very simple um, website link. Um, and that will give you more details and tell, tell you about the campaign as well. Now, we better take uh, the first of our ad breaks on today's show. Do stay with us here in Community Radio, Kilkenny City. Morris O'Connor with you, of course, on Kilkenny Today. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes' time after these. Community Radio, Kilkenny City. The voice of the Marble City. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Play January's Community Radio, Kilkenny City, Split the Pot monthly draw whenever you see the yellow boxes. Put two euros in the envelopes provided. Write your name and contact number on the envelope and drop the envelope in the yellow box. Be in it to win. The more envelopes you have in the yellow box, the better chance you have of winning. You can also get the envelopes from any volunteer of Community Radio Kilkenny City or at the radio station at 32 Hebron Industrial Estate, just off the Hebron Road. Be in it to win it. Monday, Monday, Monday. Community Radio Kilkenny City, keeping you company on 88.7 FM. And welcome back to the show. And hopefully we have on the line joining us here on Community Radio from Buddy Ben Charland. Uh, good evening, Sam. Good evening, Matt. How are you? Well, indeed, very well indeed, uh, given the circumstances, I suppose. And uh, I presume <laughs> the same applies to yourself. We're all struggling to deal with uh, the ongoing restrictions, I guess. Exactly. Um, which you, yeah, you have, you have in, in Buddy Bench, I suppose, have a particular um, interest and angle on the kind of the mental health issues that the whole COVID pandemic and the restrictions thereof throw up. And in general, I suppose, mental health issues for younger people in, in particular. Just remind listeners, um, if they haven't turned terribly familiar with Buddy Bench, what it is that you do. Okay. So pre-COVID, we used to go in and into actual schools and deliver a positive mental well-being program based around a Buddy Bench. And for those of you who don't know what a Buddy Bench is, it's a colourful bench placed in a schoolyard. 
and if a child has nobody to play with they sit on this bench as an indicator to the other children to come over and ask them do they want to play are they okay etc and then March 2020 so that all stopped mm. yeah um, I, th- I think the, just the, the, the idea I suppose when you, when you mentioned a child and having nobody to play with I mean I think anybody listening is going to feel very sad and sorry for any child that would find themselves in that situation so ha- having put those body benches in place um, were you getting reports back from schools and from teachers as to how well children were willing to just go sit on the body bench if they were feeling a bit lonely or unloved or un- unincluded? Absolutely. Definitely children under the age of nine. After the age of nine, they weren't really encouraged to sit on the bench. So therefore, they became body bench ambassadors. In other words, they kind of looked after the younger kids on the bench. Yes, it worked extremely well. Hmm. And where did the idea originate? Would you believe it? The original idea came from Zimbabwe as a friendship bench that a doctor placed outside her clinic. And the elders, she noticed that the elders were sitting talking to the younger girls and women of the village. And that's actually where it came to. And then it came to America in 2013 and became a buddy bench and was adapted to children. So we use we mm, use like the buddy bench as, as just as a visual tool to deliver the program. Okay, it's kind of well. I suppose it would, would have its use as well outside of your your programs. So we'll talk about the, the programs in, in a moment. Um, but the buddy bench is again. I'm interested in in this other angle on it. In that, um, you, as you mentioned, there being colourful benches that are actually yeah. built for you, but they're they're built by the men's sheds and men's yeah. sheds locally here in Kilkenny, which sounds like a great collaboration. Just tell us about that. Well, the, the men's sheds throughout the country, north and south of the border. So if we were to deliver the pro, this is pre-COVID, obviously, we we're delivering the program, say in Leitrim, the local men's bench or the local men's sheds of that school would uh, make the buddy bench for the school so it kind of involves them into the community as well it's worked really really well and it will again in the future yeah so is there a standard design for a buddy a buddy bench that you just kind of hand over to the men's shed and they come back with deliver what you ask them to do or or is it just flexible and Mm -hmm. like you give them a general idea and they come up with a design themselves no they, they use their own creativity which is lovely, lovely idea. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I suppose uh, that's good, that they, they all, everybody needs a few bob to survive. Do they charge you for them? Yes, but not very much. The, the schools give a donation to the men's shed. They have to keep going too. All right. Well, that's yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's good. Well, it's good to see that. That I, I love the idea of the collaboration anyway, because you're you're both uh, both yourselves in Buddy Bench Ireland and. Indeed, men's sheds are, are really great social enterprises, so it's lovely Fantastic. to see these enterprises collaborating like that. Um, yes. you, you did mention as well, uh, before we go on to, to your latest bit of good news, um, Sam, you did mention that you have kind of come, moved on from the, or in parallel with the actual physical buddy bench idea that you've um, de- delivered or developed and de- you do deliver kind of mental health and support kind of programs for children. But you also expanded that out, I believe, into all the other kind of stakeholders in the schools, I suppose the teachers, parents, the schools themselves and and others. Yes. 
since March we've been extremely busy. In April we started to develop um, parental resources because we knew parents were going through the, the parents were the teachers of became the teachers really. So we developed uh, parental free parental resources for parents to download and work with their children. They're just very light resources for coping skills, for resilience, kindness, etc. And that was launched in August, and that is doing really, really well. Oh, that's then we come September, we've started to develop a CPD for teachers because we really can't really foresee ourselves physically visiting schools again. So we've developed uh, a CPD for teachers so they themselves can deliver uh, the program and it's an eight-week program. And mm-hmm. hopefully, fingers and toes crossed, that will be launched this February. We're not too sure. We're just going to have to wait and see how things go. Yeah, and is that uh, when you mention CPD, then I presume that means that it would be officially accredited in some way uh, as part of tre- teachers' ongoing professional uh, training and development. Yes, without a doubt. Yes, mm. that's that's what we're working on at the moment. Actually, today, would you believe it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank, thanks for taking the time out to have this conversation with us, and you're, you're that busy, obviously. So you did, as I, as I said, I mentioned earlier on, uh, you got got a bit of good news locally. Um, you've been uh, dropped a few bob from the Coca-Cola Thank You Fund. Yes, and it's fantastic because now that'll allow us pilot. It's a, a program that we're going to develop for uh, third level students. They too have been through lockdown and haven't gone through their, their normal milestones and they too are suffering quite a lot. Now, so we took the concept of a buddy bench, which actually would really work in third level, and we've jazzed it up a little, I guess, for a chat bench. So we intend to pilot this program in two of the third level institutes, one in Waterford, obviously, in Carlow, and we too will place a a Coca-Cola chat bench on campus, Hmm. and we'll have a a, a one-to-one program delivered by our in-house psychologist or psychotherapist Michelle O'Brien Right, right um, and I, I know it would be evaluated and it would be fantastic if we could roll that out nationwide but that just takes time yeah, and I was going to say there's a lot of the corporates um, when in their, their corporate social responsibility funding, they look for very definite things to put their money into and they look for you to tell them, you know, what sort of outcomes you're going to deliver by yes. the um, availing of their funding. So obviously you've got all that kind of in mind and planned oh, yes. as to how you're going everything, to measure all that. Yeah, everything has to be measurable and your outcomes very, very clear because what your corporates are looking for their... Their, their social return on investment i.e. the impact etc mm-hmm. which is it imposes a bit of extra discipline on you which is probably a good thing that you know to think through what it is you want to do and why it'll be beneficial um, particularly you know if you're if you're going to get it get money uh, based on on uh, the clarity of your thinking and all the rest you certainly would be put, putting the time into all of that well you do that at the ideation stage really what the outcomes mm. of what the outcomes of your evaluation is actually going to be? Mm. And you, you've you've been in, on the go for quite a while. Um, I do remember. I think you now it's a long time since uh, any of my three children were in school. 
Um, but I do remember your your partner in Buddy Bench, Ireland, Judith Ashton, coming into one of the schools and um, speaking. And, uh, and then shortly, I think, I, I do remember, I can't remember exactly when I would have come across uh, seeing the, the first uh, launch of a of number of years already on the go, aren't you? Yeah, we put the, the Buddy Bench Ireland put the first Buddy Bench here in Danes Fort in November 2016. Okay, so it's it's getting at it, uh, presumably the good. How many have many have you then placed the the actual physical benches so far? I can tell you exactly. Three hundred and thirty of our Buddy of schools, primary schools in Ireland have done our program. So we've reached so far, which is on a paper based model, sixty thousand children. But now that our program will be online and delivered through CPD um, through teachers, we really hope our, we'll increase our reach dramatically. Well, you should do, yeah. So, has yeah. the model been has the model been to date then that um, that you would deliver both the kind of the the the, the program, the in person program, and a bench at the same time, so one goes with the other? Yes, yes, yes. But uh, the only difference is that. The bench will be still made by the men's sheds and delivered to the school, and then the program will be delivered by the teacher themselves. Yeah, well, it certainly sounds like as if you've been keeping men's sheds uh, oh. quite busy all around the country building benches for you. Well, that's very much part of our ethos. Like, we really believe it takes a village to raise a child, and by mm. having the men's sheds involved, it kind of creates that community. Yeah, and, and also supports the whole ethos of men's sheds as well and the beneficial nature of the kind of the contact between men that that, um, that they bring to the table. But that's that, yes, it's very important. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, there's, with, with 330, which is great anyway, um, there, there sounds like as if there's huge scope, hopefully when COVID will allow for you to kind of resume doing the, I suppose, if you want to call it the traditional model of rolling out buddy bench services and, and putting more and more benches around and about the, the, the country. Um, do, you, do you need funding support for those or how do you, you, you kind of, how do you finance the whole thing? Okay, thankfully we've received right. funding to develop the CPD for teachers from the National Lottery and Comic Relief. So that's been fantastic. And if, if we're going to pilot that program actually in three primary schools here in Kilkenny, Great. which yeah, which we're hopefully, hopefully when things settle down and when schools and teachers have a little bit, bit more time. Hmm. So in, at the moment then, in the meantime, and we, we don't really know, I mean, we, we've heard no. all sorts of on again, off again ideas around schools Absolutely. opening and maybe schools for just for special needs children. But even that seems to be a bit doubtful at the moment. So we don't really know when everything's going to resume. But in, in, in the meantime, are, are there places where uh, either children or teachers or their parents or schools can actually access some of your resources online? Yes. Where can they get That's them? That. Please do. The free parental resources are downloadable and that you can access them um, at buddybench.ie just go to the programs tab and then for parents and please please work away great, great. and then hopefully fingers and toes the cpd will be launched in february but we will just have to wait and see 
Great. Well, we look forward to hearing more about that when it is launched. So do, do send us in a, a note or a little email or something like that. And we'd be delighted to have you back um, you. to talk to talk about the CPD for, for teachers. And even you can bring a teacher along with you to the conversation and see how it all goes. Um, in the meantime, anyway, it's been great talking to you, Sam. Lovely talking to you. And uh, best wishes to yourself and Judith and everybody else involved in Buddy Bench Ireland. And have a lovely 2021 as best you can anyway with the, the nature of the restrictions imposed on us. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Cheers, Sam. So that was Sam Sennett, who's uh, one of the founders, I think, uh, of the people behind Buddy Bench Ireland. And of course, it's um, important to say uh, Buddy Bench is actually a very um, social enterprise and charity. Fair, fair dues to both Sam and Judith Ashton and everybody else involved in that. A lovely idea. And they've seemed to have taken a very holistic view of it and developing out their offering in all sorts of different ways uh, across the age groups, age spectrums, and everybody up from primary school children where they think they started all the way up through their latest um, initiative that they're going to just about launch soon now with the, the money they got from Coca-Cola Thank You Fund and to set up uh, buddy, uh, chat benches in third level colleges. So great ideas and fair dues. Well done, Buddy Bench. Um, now, it's about time we took another ad break on today's show and uh, here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Morris O'Connor with you as usual. Good afternoon or good morning, depending on when you're listening. Um, do stay with us. Anyway, we'll be back for another section of the show just in a couple of minutes' time after these. The Voice of the Black and Amber. Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Why not advertise with your community radio Kilkenny City as it puts your message into shops, restaurants, factories, homes and cars of a potential 40,000 listeners. So, we have something for everybody. Call today and book your spot with us. Or why not sponsor a programme or a slot by calling the office on 056 677 or our sales team on 086 810 Community Radio Kilkenny City is a voluntary and not-for-profit organisation. Local Access Radio for you and your community group. This is Community Radio Kilkenny City. Now, welcome back to the show, uh, the last part of today's show. Now, uh, Minister for Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltag, Sports and Media, Catherine Martin, TD. Uh, what a name, a long name of a department there. I don't know how she keeps, uh, she be able to tell us what they're, or is able to repeat accurately and repeatedly what what the name of that department is. Anyway, a bit of a mouthful. Um, tripping over it myself. But anyway, last July, uh, Minister Catherine Martin launched uh, Creative Ireland's uh, wide-ranging creative Creativity in Older Age Fund, which was designed specifically to counteract the social side effects of the pandemic and in particular, and uh, leaving aside, of course, the, the physical threat that uh, COVID um, uh, places on people's health and um, so she founded this uh, fund and um, one of the organizations that's uh, taken up the cudgel with with that and the use of that funding is uh, creative uh, aging international and uh, in collaboration with another organization sing ireland they've produced a series of resources uh, and it's all around the area of singing and i think is well known that singing has a great uh, beneficial effect on people's health but joining us to talk all about that and what's being done um, and uh, what's been produced and what people can access by way of resources is dominic campbell who's a co-founder of creative aging international so good afternoon dominic good afternoon 
Um, lovely to have you with us. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of tripping over my introduction there, starting with um, Catherine Martin's long and winding uh, departmental name. So hopefully the rest of our conversation on my side anyway will go a little bit smoother. I could probably do it some of the keep my own voice and uh, uh, flow um, going better. But before we get into the kind of resources that have been produced and how people can access them, um, Creative Aging International is an organization that I hadn't heard very much of myself. So what is it that you do? So we celebrate getting older. We think the alternatives are fantastic. And uh, it grew really out of a lot of work that we've done in Ireland. So with organizations like Age and Opportunities, the Eltona Festival, um, and the Altona Festival, which is a nationwide celebration of creativity as people age, takes place across the month of May, across the whole of Ireland, is or was unique. Um, and it was inspirational for many organizations across the world. Um, and so really that's where Creative Aging International came from. It came from realizing that there was this fantastic resource in Ireland, which had thought long and hard about what happens when you make art about aging and about the processes of aging, whatever age you're at. And so what we do is, is, is follow that thread, really, work with people around the world uh, to explore ageing better, often using arts and creativity. And I presume involving and being the people who are ageing themselves uh, being central to all, all that um, creative process and output. Completely. Nothing about us without us. And whether you're a 97-year-old who has a life story to tell and a life story of experience, or whether you're an eight-year-old wondering what it's like to be nine, we all are really fascinated and concerned with what ageing means. Mm -hmm. So lots and lots of scope for the work we do. And of course, there's going to be more and more of us aging as the, everybody I think well knows that the demographics in this country uh, will have us see us having a huge um, population of older people in the 65 plus age brackets um, as the years go on. So um, more and more of a need for uh, creative aging and uh, aging well, I suppose. Yeah, and, and obviously what I realise is, you know, I'm now 55. The 65-year-olds don't look like the 65-year-olds used to look, and that's partly because they're not. So we live better longer. Um, and part of that isn't just about the physical side of things, it's about the spiritual side of things, or it's about what we do with the time. Um, mm. And that really brings us quite neatly to uh, the partnership with Sing Ireland and with uh, uh, Creative Ireland. Yes, indeed. Sing Ireland is another organisation, actually, that I hadn't heard um, much about. Um, what, what, I mean, it sounds like as if they're, you know, it's promotion of singing, I suppose, is possibly their, their core um, ethos. What, what is it that they're involved in? How do they? Uh, so it used to be. It used, it used to be. It used to be choirs Island. So its focus is group singing, and obviously, as there are lots of different types of group singing, and their existence is all about encouraging people to sing in, in groups, wherever those groups might be. So that might be your local choir or your local barbershop quartet, or it might be a, a group in schools, or it might be people that are exploring sound and noise, or uh, you know, all sorts of different singing. And we came across them uh, really in response to COVID because, uh, like everybody else, last March we were suddenly faced with a totally different way of working. Uh, we were sitting in uh, Ireland wondering what we might do and what we might do that was useful. And we realized that a lot of the people that would be more fragile that we worked with, we couldn't access. And so we started a project called dawncores.ie, www.dawncores.ie, it's still there. And uh, we asked lots of cultural organizations to share things that they would have already that people might find interesting to do while they were shut at home 
with their family, with their kids, are on their own. And we put those on the website. And then we partnered with organizations like Alone or uh, the age-friendly organizations that were getting food and medicines to people and worked out ways that they could also get song to people or cultural things to do or, or fun stuff to do. And that was really the beginning of what's gradually become the Aging Voices Project. Mm. So tell us, now that you've led, as you say, very neatly onto it, um, the Aging Voices Project came out of all of that, and as it, is, as it suggests, and I presume, around kind of supporting, protecting, enhancing, um, and you know, celebrating the, the aging voice and uh, people um, who sing, and uh, whether it's uh, in, uh, by themselves or in, are more probably more uh, likely to be in, in groups. So tell us, how did, what, what does this, uh, the Aging Voices Project, what's, what kind of its scope, how can you describe it best to, to people? So like you say, it really came about because of a collaboration, Creative Ireland, Sing Ireland and Creative Aging International. And we were talking through the John Chorus project about the range of singing that happened in, in Ireland that had something to do with aging, something to do with um, health in a, in a kind of broad sense. And we sent out a questionnaire over the course of last summer to singing groups, wherever they might be, and we asked them what it was that they were doing and what were they interested in. And they came back and said, you know, there's, there's this really broad, broad, broad spectrum of practice because on the one hand, there are people who are perfectly healthy who get in their car in the evening and drive along to the choir and sing with that. And then there are, and they might be 70. And then there are people who might be a bit more challenged by something associated with age. Maybe they have an Alzheimer's. Maybe they are living with Parkinson's. There are people that um, are in care and there are people that support them. And in all of these groups, there was singing happening. And so what the questionnaire encouraged us to do, and we did over the last bunch of months, is look at those little pockets, see what was happening, uh, talk to people, find case studies and stories about great stuff that were people were doing. And now this has led to the resources that we're sharing, um, which look at the aging voice, they look at special interest choirs, they look at uh, singing for care, and they look at... Uh, Community connection. Mm. I did notice a little bit. All right, on the on the website, we'll come on to the details of how people can access these resources. Uh, Tomic, in a little while, under the aging voice, um, some very practical and uh, meaningful tips around. Uh, and if for anybody who is uh, who is fond of doing a bit of singing, uh, and kind of to tips there that you have for them, very simple tips to help them maintain, preserve, and to kind of enhance their voice and. You know, keep singing and sing better. I liked I liked those in particular. You might tell us. They're they're bit. lovely, and the whole all the guidebooks are full of really great tips. There's some you can do on your own, some you need to do with a group, and the the ones that are in the aging voice box are really about really simple things that you might not think of. So the voice is a muscle; it needs exercise. The more you exercise, the more it does. The voice works because the lungs push air through the muscle and. Uh, Keeping breathing is a really good idea for singing, but also things that, that keep muscles working. So, so water, hydrate, 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 water, 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 little and often. Uh, singing whenever you can, maybe not, you know, not waiting for the once a week opportunity. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that happens is singing makes you feel happier because you're getting air into your lungs, because you're doing this amazing thing with your brain, which is about making noise, it's also physical, so it makes your brain give you all the sort of brain signals about delight. Um, mm. 
and uh, what would be the other one that I really think of? Really, standing up. Yeah, the, standing the up, or even setting so up you, space. You launch, yeah, you, you launch the voice really from your feet. So it's about getting the skeleton lined up. It, it fits in very well with the whole idea, particularly for people who are aging a bit um, as well, of um, kind of staying fit and healthy just to general exercise. Because, you know, it, if, particularly with the voice being so dependent on, on breathing, as you say, um, you know, if you're, not, if you're not terribly fit, your maybe lung capacity isn't all the, the best, and therefore your singing capability, even though it might have been brilliant at one point, is probably a little bit less good than it, than it could be if you're a little bit fitter. Yeah, and there's this lovely relationship, really, between your, your, you know, your voice is who you are. So when you when you get when you're afraid your voice shrinks, your chest tightens, everything disappears. When you're confident, your chest expands and the voice gets bigger. When you're relaxed, that works. So if mm. you practice that, if you play with that, you're also playing with how you feel. And that's a really beautiful thing to be able to do. And anybody can do that. Whether you're at home shuffling around in your socks or whether you're in a group of people. And so it's really a fantastic thing to to do at the moment during the pandemic we can't necessarily see all the people that we'd like to see or that we'd like to be hanging out with or we'd like to be singing with but there are things that we can do for ourselves a little and often Mm. And there are lots of uh, online collaborations. I'm sure you've seen, I've seen loads of them, of um, people finding ways to sing together online uh, as long as somebody's there to coordinate it and uh, help them out with the technology. So there's plenty of opportunities still for um, collective and um, singing and uh, in all sorts of different forms. Are you a singer yourself, Dominic? I am the worst singer in the world, but I really enjoy it. Okay. So I, that's <laughs> the, the biggest part of it is, is the enjoyment of it. And... You know, we found lots of great examples when we started looking at this in detail. We found uh, there's a brilliant um, choir of nurses in Ennis General. And so people will do a whole shift. They'll do like eight or 12 hours or whatever shift is for a nurse. And then at the end of it, they'll go and join the choir. And we asked them why. You know, I'd want to go home and put my feet up. And they said, actually, because it's just a great way of, of breathing out all the things that we have to do with during the day. Yeah, um, it sounds so Just lovely stories. Yeah, and tell us, we we better tell listeners where we can get hold of all of these um, resources that you've gone to huge trouble and uh, work to, to generate for, for people. Where, where can people get hold of them? Are they all free? Can they be just downloaded and interpreted? Are they easy to use? They're all free. We've made them as easy as we can. We'd like all the feedback we can get. You can find them on Sing Island's website, which is so easy, www.singisland.ie. Um, you can look at them online. There are videos, there are guidebooks, there are long and short videos. Um, or you can download them and print them off yourself. Great. Well, it sounds like a brilliant idea to come up with uh, that to, to encourage and stimulate and support people to continue on singing and uh, keep their keep their mental health and indeed their physical health going, um, particularly during this uh, COVID times, whether regardless of age group, but I suppose you're particularly interested into older age. So, look, it's been great talking to you, Dominic. Anyway, and very best wishes to yourself and uh, all your colleagues in Creative Aging International. Keep coming up with those great ideas. Thank you. You're very welcome. Cheers. Take care. So uh, that was Dominic Campbell, who's co-founder of Creative Aging International. And as he said, you can get those uh, um, aging voice resources and uh, up on singireland.ie. And I believe there may be even be some uh, workshops that are going to take place uh, associated with that. Maybe um, 
in the next uh, month or so. Anyway, that's about, about all we have time for, I think, on today's Community Radio Kilkenny City Kilkenny Today show. It's been great uh, having you with us. Uh, thanks a million to Dominic Campbell there, my guest, and to Sam Sinnott, and indeed to Noel Ryan from uh, the uh, Esophageal Cancer uh, Foundation or Fund uh, at the start of the show. Uh, huge thanks, of course, as usual, to Anne Nolan for helping me produce the show and indeed to Mick Cummins for driving the sound desk for me back in the studio while I raid stamp. And uh, well, I will be back at some point as soon as the restrictions allow and all that uh, back in the studio in Hebron Road. Anyway, thanks a million for joining us. I look forward to being back with you again on Friday with another Kilkenny Today. Take care. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.